Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You've joined us for the episode for Sunday, May 21st, 2023, episode 18 of Revelation, God Rules. The title of episode 18 is The Destruction of Religious Babylon. In Revelation 17, we begin a journey into a sequence of six chapters in the book of the Revelation that culminate with the return of Jesus Christ to rule the earth for a thousand-year kingdom, the final judgments, the renovation of the universe, and the joys of eternity with him. And we will see, beginning today in Revelation 17, we will see two global governments, two global rulers, two cities, two populations with two very different destinations. The contrast that we're going to see cannot be more stark. And I want to say to you today, before we even get into this episode, today, right now, in this moment of time in which you are listening, today, you already belong to one of the two sequences of the two, but not both, and you cannot be neutral. Now, if you want an outline today, uh, you know that I'm not big on outlines, but if you want one, it's pretty simple. The first main point would be Babel. We common, commonly call that Babel. Babel was Lucifer's first attempt at global government with a global religion enforced through global commerce. And the second major point that we'll get to eventually is Babylon is Lucifer's next attempt at global government with that same global religion and enforced through global commerce. So Babel and Babylon, those are the two main points for the message today. But before we can really understand Revelation 17, we need to go way back in time. I mean, way back. I didn't even have a podcast this far back. But at the point we're going to is back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And in Genesis 11, we're going to read in verses 1 through 9 about someone named Nimrod. Nimrod was a mighty person in the days following the flood. He was a great political leader and apparently also somewhat of a great religious leader. Nimrod, with his wife, Semiramis, helped found the beginning of an organized false religion. Now, you know, if you know your Bible really well, that that first sin and first rebellion was by Lucifer, one of the highest angels in heaven, when he rebelled against God. So you could say that sin first occurred in heaven, because it did. That's where Lucifer was filled with pride and rebelled against God. Ever since that time, he sought to stop the saving work of God through the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, who now obviously has been born in Bethlehem and he has died a sacrificial death on the cross and rose victorious from the grave on the third day, has ascended to heaven, and will soon return. So he can't stop that, but he can try to divert as many people as he can, people that God loves. He is going to try to divert them into false religion that they not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Nimrod and Semiramis that we're going to see in Genesis 11, uh, verses 1 through 9, we're going to see the first effort at a real organized religious system that takes people not to God, but away from God. And from that place and that initial start, 
and we'll see why in a minute, that same false religion in multitudinous forms has spread all over the world. And many people are enslaved in it and blinded by it. So let's read in Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So this this global government that began to be formed in Genesis 11, complete with a global religion and no doubt global commerce as far as they could make that happen, that began to be a way through which Lucifer, Satan, the devil, began to build a false religion in the world to take people away from God, not to God. And as I mentioned earlier, Babel literally means the gate of God or the place where people met God. You could think of it like that. But what this was all about was mankind becoming his own God, calling his own shots. I heard suggested recently, and, it, and I think I'd even thought of it myself, but this was pretty, pretty amazing to see that somebody thought of this too. Uh, not only probably did the tower uh, try to reach into the heavens, but it probably had a, a zodiac on it, you know, that kind of thing, like a, a ziggurat in the ancient false religions. But it's interesting to me that after they came out of the flood, and these were obviously descendants from the line of Noah uh, many centuries later, but they, they all knew the flood was a fact. And they didn't want to be judged <laughs> like the, the population of the earth before the flood of Noah. So they said, let's build a really tall tower. <laughs> I find that kind of humorous, actually. So they began to go their own way in government and religion and commerce. And, you know, I, we even hear this today where some terrible thing will happen and all of the political types uh, run over their own grandmother to get in front of cameras and microphones. And what do we hear them say every time? I mean, you hear it so much, it's almost like a script. Hey, when this happens, say this. Blah, 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 whatever the emergency is, so that this never happens again. You know, fill in the blank, whatever it is a shooting, uh, a riot, or whatever, you know, so that this never happens again. That was basically, I think, the attitude of Nimrod and all of his cronies. This never needs to happen again. Let's, let's build ourselves a name, us a city, and let's go our own way and defend ourselves against this God. So, as I mentioned earlier, Bab El is Lucifer's first attempt at global government with a global religion enforced through 
global commerce. Well, did you know that Babylon, that great city and kingdom, was built in the same place? And I'll show you here in a moment, it appears that it will be built again in the same place, a city called Babylon. And Babylon is Lucifer's next attempt at global government. So Pastor Ed, is Babylon a system or a city? Yes, it's both. I think it's both. Now, you might be asking, a literal city named Babylon? It appears so. And I know all the arguments against it, but there's a lot of arguments for it as well. Now, ultimately, we'll have to see how this plays out in the prophetic future. But it appears that Babylon will be rebuilt again. I I don't know if you realize this or not, but that dead guy that used to be named Saddam Hussein in Iraq, he was trying to rebuild Babylon. He didn't get very far, but he had that ambition. So this is not the only time today that I'm talking about. This is not the only time somebody tried to rebuild Babylon. So let's break this down now. Now, right about now, you're starting to say possibly, but to rebuild Babylon, that's impossible. You're forgetting one thing with God. All things are possible. Have you paid attention to what's been going on in Dubai, in the Middle East? I mean, they've built cities in record time. Las Vegas in the United States was a city that that virtually was built overnight to become the center of gambling. And that's way before the technology we have now and the processes we have now. So I'm pretty sure that if somebody said, we want to rebuild Babylon, it wouldn't take them, you know, 10 years, 50 years, or 100 years. It'd probably be done in a few years. Who knows, maybe even quicker. And just like an archer sets up a target for his arrows, why does he do that? Because he's fixing to hit that target, dead center, solid, perfect, right on the bullseye. Well, God has some unfinished business with Babylon, which ultimately traced all the way back to Nimrod and the Tower of Babel is the beginning and the center of all of the false religions of the earth. Now, you might ask, well, how did all those religions in the earth, how did they get there when it was centered with Nimrod at Babel? Remember, the languages were confused, and they couldn't understand each other, and God scattered them anyway. They did it to keep from being scattered, and God said, hey, I'll scatter you. So he confused their languages, and they they, uh, I guess you could say they paired off based on their languages all over the world, but they took with them that seed of false religion, and it's taken on many different uh, forms and aspects today, but ultimately it all leads the same way, away from God, right? It's sort of like Baskin-Robbins may have 31 flavors, but at the end of the day, they sell ice cream, right? So same idea. So I think it's definitely, and, and everybody agrees about this, Babylon is definitely a religious system, a false one, and it appears it will be a city. Now, right about now, if you're a really astute Bible student, you're asking a question that I know you're going to ask. You're going to say, but haven't Isaiah's Babylon prophecies and Jeremiah's Babylon prophecies about the destruction of Babylon, haven't they all been fulfilled? Uh, No, not literally. I mean, there are still times in the last hundred years, for example, a couple hundred years, where people have pitched tents in Babylon, like travelers and Bedouins and that kind of thing. And that's just one example, and we could give others. But God says it will be uninhabited. And you know, when God gives prophecy, 99.99%, the fulfillment of it is literally literal. 
There's none of this allegory and spiritualizing that you hear so much of today from pulpits. When God says, for example, the Lord Jesus Christ would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, I mean, that's going out on the limb, is it not? What if it had been 29 pieces of gold? Would that have been a fulfillment? No, it was literally 30 pieces of silver for which Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And there, again, are multiple examples of prophecy being literally fulfilled so that it couldn't be missed. And there's no reason to think that God will not resurrect the city of Babylon in order to completely, permanently destroy it, just as he said he would do through the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah. Now again, don't write me in all of that about, well, Dr. So-and-so says, well, that's great. And I understand where a lot of theologians and Bible teachers and preachers are coming from. I get it. But I believe that Babylon as a city will be rebuilt to be the headquarters of this emerging one world religion, this anti-God, anti-Jesus Christ world religion that's already being put together over the last few years. I've given you examples uh, in the past of things that are taking place that are forming this future one world religion. Now, I got off track. It appears that in order to monumentally judge Babylon as the origin of all false religions and godless government, that Babylon, the city, will be rebuilt on the plain of Shinar and will be the headquarters of the one world religion that the Antichrist rides to power. And then at the midpoint of the tribulation, he will go literally to the city of not Babylon, but Jerusalem into the temple that has been recently rebuilt, you know, by that time. And he had some hand in allowing it to be rebuilt or actually, you know, helping that come about. We we don't know the details on that. But he will march into the temple that he helps rebuild. And in the temple, he will proclaim that he is God. And then beast worship will be in force worldwide, especially through a system of commerce involving the mark of the beast. And then he destroys this previous one world religion that's headquartered in the literal city of Babylon. Now, if it all happens that way, that's pretty much how it's going to happen. And I think that's what's going to happen. But many great Bible teachers and preachers take a different viewpoint. So anyway, why don't we just read Revelation 17, 1 through 18? Would that be a good idea? Yes, it would. And we're going to even read chapter 18 as well today, because I want you to get the comprehensive view of the massive problem that Babylon is to God and why and how he's going to destroy it permanently. And then in next week's episode, when we come back, we will begin to break all of this out in greater detail. And this is such an important subject in the book of the Revelation, that God devotes two entire chapters to Babylon, and we dare not rush through it because we must understand religious Babylon and commercial, I guess you could say commercial slash political Babylon, in order to understand the beast, his system, where the world's going, and how God is going to take care of business in the end. All right, Revelation 17, verses 1 through 18. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, 
with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And now we're going into Revelation 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies." And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not 
of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thyine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beast and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city, that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught and every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour is she made desolate, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all 
that were slain upon the earth. That's a lot to take in, isn't it? Would you agree with me that God has a holy anger, a righteous anger, a judgment for Babylon, religious Babylon and commercial Babylon? (laughs) I think we would agree on that. Now, we're going to break all of this out pretty much more and more in the next episode, but we can begin today. Revelation 17, starting in verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. So we have before us a a picture of a prostitute. That's the word in Greek, a uh, someone involved in pornea. So there's going to be a, a divine judgment from God on the great prostitute that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. So the, the political structures of the world are, are completely mixed up with this false religion. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Notice that phrase, inhabitants of the earth, it's the earth dwellers that we've seen so often in the book of the Revelation. Right now, as you listen, you are either among the earth dwellers or the citizens of heaven. You're not in between and you can't be neutral. You are literally one or the other. Verse three, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which has seven heads and ten horns. So let, let's just stop right there. We have here the picture of this, this prostitute riding a scarlet or red beast. And we notice as we go into this that a little bit is explained about the woman but great detail begins to be given about the beast she rides. That beast has seven heads and it has 10 horns. Now, we're going to have to break all of that out in just a minute, but let's stay with the woman. So this woman is, uh, (laughs) she's riding this beast. So this one world religion, this false religion, which in terms of a system of religion, began back as an organized religion with Nimrod at Babel in the Tower of Babel. We call it the Tower of Babel, right? He came up with all of this stuff. Actually, Lucifer came up with it, but the human being that carried it out was Nimrod and Semiramis, his wife. And from that, uh, think of that like, uh, I grew up in Georgia and the big river in Georgia is the Chattahoochee. And you know, it starts at Anna Ruby Falls up in North Georgia. And it's not much to look at, but by the time you go all the way down through Atlanta and then down through uh, the border between Alabama and Georgia, the Chattahoochee is a mighty river. And it all starts with a spring in the mountains, North Georgia mountains. Same idea here. All of the false religions of the world started with Nimrod and Semiramis and Babel. And when their 
languages were confounded there in Genesis 11, and they began to go, God scattered them all over the world, and they, they grouped together by the languages they spoke. They carried with them that seed and started all the multiple false religions in the world. But one thing is common about every one of those world religions. They all lead away from Jesus Christ. Every one of them. There's no exception. And so we see that God is going to judge Babylon and he tells us why. And by the way, notice in verse 4, that she, the woman is arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Have you ever noticed how false religions around the world, their temples and those who serve in the temples, they're just opulently wealthy. I don't care if it's a, a uh, you know, Christianized version of that false religion, like Catholicism. Now, could there be believers in Catholicism, believers in Jesus Christ? I would say so, but they're relying on Jesus Christ for their salvation, not the church, and they're having to wade through a lot of things that came from this fountainhead of false religion. But that's not all. I mean, when you go into Buddhism, Hinduism, and any other religion you can name in the world, they, they are pretty much described by verse 4 in that opulent wealth. But notice here, upon her forehead was a name written, mystery. In other words, this is, this is a mystery, and this is the name that's on her forehead, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. So she is the progenitor of all the false religions in the world the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now notice something else about the false religions of the world. Verse six, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. Who are the saints? Well, at any given time, whether they're Old or New Testament, they, uh, and now it would be Christians, obviously, but prior to the coming of Christ, it would have been the Jewish people and any other person in the world who heard the message of the Messiah and looked forward to his coming. In other words, they trusted in the God of Israel. They were, a, uh, let's say, what is it, a proselyte to the Jewish faith. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. She, she is responsible as the mother of all the false religions in the world of how false religions murder people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Babel and the seed of that false religion way back then, the mother of harlots. And false religion murders the saints, that is, those that are set apart to God, that are special to God. And she's drunken not only with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, people who have died for their faith in Jesus Christ, she has, <laughs> she is drunk with their blood. And John was just stunned when he saw this vision. Verse seven, and the angel said unto me, wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee, the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. Now notice now in verse eight, he goes right to the beast. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. There are two aspects to this, I believe. One aspect is, and this will be explained a little further as we go along. In John's day, John lived under the Roman Empire on planet Earth. And the Roman Empire was never like completely conquered in war. It had some battles at the end, 
but it kind of just went into a coma and it sort of still exists in Western civilization through laws and education and religion and all that stuff. So it's never been finished off. Let's put it like that. And we believe that that Roman Empire will be revived as the global world government during the tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of trouble for the Jewish people. And so that empire existed. It doesn't exist. It's going to exist again. That would be pretty astounding. I don't think, though, that it's quite as astounding to the people of the world as the head of that revived Roman Empire known as the Antichrist, the beast, when he is killed, and we see this in Revelation 13. You could go back and read there. Apparently, he's assassinated, and he is dead, and he is brought back to life. Now, as we've said, we have no explanation for how that's going to happen, but happen it will. And when the world's populations see this false leader who was killed and he lives again, that's going to blow their minds, and they're going to worship him. Absolutely, they are. So so not only will the Roman Empire be revived, but the leader of it. Imagine, imagine what would have happened if at the end of World War II, Hitler had been uh, killed. You know, he shot himself, we believe, and uh, perhaps the Russians burned him. We don't really know what happened on the end there. But we'll say that he, uh, he killed himself however he did it. What would have happened in Germany around the world if he'd appeared again after proving to be dead and he was alive, literally alive, in the body? Germany, their minds would have gone wild with excitement and the world would have went, oh, like, oh no. <laughs> well, the, the beast, the Antichrist, is going to die and come back to life. Pastor Ed, how will he do that? I got no idea how that's going to happen. But God's, God lets it happen. And, and there's things I don't know and you don't know, but that doesn't mean they're not going to happen. Now, verse 9, And here is the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads, that's the seven heads on the beast, right? The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, right away, as, as you've heard, as I've heard over the years, well, that refers to the city of Rome because it has seven hills. Rome sits on seven hills. Well, you know, if God wants to say seven hills, he can say that. But this is a Greek word for mountains. Rome does not sit on seven mountains. It sits on seven hills. So we do not believe that this is a city of Rome. The seven heads are seven mountains on which a woman sitteth. Mountains, sometimes in the Bible, represent kingdoms and empires. So this woman's been involved, this false religion, with every empire that's ever existed. In verse 10, and there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into, per, per, into perdition. All right, now, what are these seven kings? All right, these seven kings are, are these empires and a king can be an empire and an empire can be a king. For example, in Daniel 2, when Daniel explained to Nebuchadnezzar that the golden head of the image in his dream, he said, thou art that golden head. You, you are represented by the golden head, which represented Babylon. They were synonymous. Get it? Just like, uh, you know, Hitler and Nazi Germany. Same idea. So, 
who are these seven kings or kingdoms? They would be, and you may want to write this down, they would be seven kingdoms which already have or will persecute the Jewish people to the max. Guess who the first one is? You guessed it, Egypt. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome at the time, for example, that John lived, and then it's gone into a coma, let's say, and then Rome number two, which will be the revived Roman Empire, the global government on the earth at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ coming that he's going to destroy. The thing that these seven have in common are they all have a hatred for the Jewish people, every one of them, no exception. So those are the seven kings. Now he says five are fallen. So by the time, at the time John wrote, Egypt had gone down, Assyria had gone down, Babylon had gone down, but as, as we've seen, not ultimately completely exactly like God said because he saved that for last. <laughs> Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, it wasn't ruling the world at that time. Let's put it like that. Persia, Greece, you know, Alexander the Great and his four generals after his death, they had all gone down. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five. There we are. Five are fallen and one is. That would be Rome uh, ruling the world at the time John wrote the book of the Revelation. And the other is not yet come. That would be the revival of the Roman Empire during the tribulation. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. So not only will the kingdom that will be revived, the Roman, revived Roman Empire, the tribulation government of the world, global government, not only will that continue a short space, but in fact, the beast, the Antichrist who runs it, he ain't going to last very long either. <laughs> he continues a short space as well. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. So we see that this beast is literally going to be assassinated in Revelation 13. So he was, he is not, and then he is again. How does that happen? He comes back from the dead. I don't know how that happens. That's what's going to happen. Now, what about these 10 horns? Verse 12, and the 10 horns, which I saw us, are 10 kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Did you know that the club of Rome, I actually have this map on a picture on my iPad, the Club of Rome has already divided the world into 10 regions. I'm not making this up. You can search it online. It'll come right up. <coughs> so the trend in global government, you know, World Economic Forum and all of that, is to divide the world into 10 regions. Instead of people electing their own leaders, probably some rich guy or somebody, some great politician. That's an oxymoron, by the way. But anyway, uh, <laughs> somebody who's probably got a lot of money and influence is going to be appointed over these regions to run it, you know, a United Nations type. And um, you know what they're going to do? At a certain point, it says in verse 13, these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb. Who's that? That's Jesus. These shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So, uh, let's see, let's go a little further. And he said unto me, the waters which I saw us, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. So these regional kings who 
help rule the world with the Antichrist are going to turn on this world religion that helped bring him to power because they don't need it anymore. You get it? And she'll make her desolate and naked and she'll eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And we already know that's this false religion of Babylon. So it's not only a false religious system, apparently it's literally going to be a city. And so we could think of this as, uh, as religious Babylon. Now next week, we're going to go more into Revelation 18 and see more about commercial Babylon. Well, listen, let me, let me bring us to a close here today. You, right now, belong to either the true faith of Jesus or you belong to this false religious system that emanated from Nimrod at the Tower of Babel and has infiltrated its way all the way across the earth. And which is it? Now, if you realize today that you're on the wrong side and you're against Jesus, then you're without hope unless you can escape. And you can escape today to Jesus' side. I'm going to give you a phone number you can call. It's a Christian ministry which will help you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 888-388-2683. 888-388-2683. Or you could go online to, and I'm going to spell this, but I'm going to say it first, bellevue.org forward slash Jesus. So let me spell that. B-E-L-L-E-V. U-E dot O-R-G forward slash J-E-S-U-S, Bellevue.org forward slash Jesus. That's the church where I worship at. Now, listen, if the Lord doesn't come first and Satan, the deep state, the World Economic Forum or Religious Babylon don't double tap me this week, then I'll be back next week with episode 19 as we continue our journey through the book of the Revelation. Please like this episode, follow the podcast, and share this episode with someone right now. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you next week.